Only a little late. We good? <laughs> it's funny, you just stare at the camera. Are we okay? All right. <clears throat> Remember the previous lessons. Uh, having no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Uh, then uh, chapter one or, or uh, one was uh, why study music in the life of a Christian. Then two was new life, new music. Three is rock, right or wrong. Four was music makes its mark. Five was order in music offers harmony in life. And six was music builds and music destroys. And uh, I was just checking to see if it was closed. Yes. Um, so today we're looking at music sets the mood. And so uh, Proverbs chapter number 23, uh, the first uh, verse number seven, the first part of it says, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for the privilege of uh, discussing uh, aspects of uh, what you have to say about music and, and just looking at the biblical philosophy of music. Lord, we pray, Father, that you just guide our, our uh, class today and our discussions. Pray, Lord, that you'd be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. <clears throat> so tonight is music sets the mood. Certain, uh, let's see here. going to read here the naming it's funny it's got it refers to something but okay the naming of these personalities and the playing of their music is not intended to cast any doubt on their motivation credibility nor their personal character uh, this is talking about the, the things that we play the the uh, the people that we talk about this isn't good music this isn't you know it's, it's not in any way uh, intended to cast doubt on their motivation, their credibility, uh, their personal character. Evaluation cannot take place on that level. I do not, and I suspect that none of you know them personally. Uh, our evaluation in some instances centers on what has been written about them and in all cases on what they do. Many of us uh, no neighbors, friends, and acquaintances <clears throat> who are very fine people. We have no difficulty with them personally. Some of them, some of their beliefs, practices, philosophy of life, and teaching may well be at great odds, perhaps even diametrically opposed to our convictions. It is the same with these music personalities. Uh, rock is either right or wrong. Either we accept it into our homes uh, and churches or either we accept into our homes and churches uh, the worldly music style and techniques, or we reject them. Individual personalities have no place nor consequence in that consideration. It's not that we hate those particular people. Does that make sense? Uh, so, that being said, music demonstrates an exemplary fashion that language is not the only type of sound that carries meaning. Sorry remembering to put my phone on silent there because I got an email and my watch as well. So that way we won't know what time it is. All right. So thinking in sound says the prime feature of music and its ability to evoke a rich and varied range of emotions uh, or feelings and emotions. Somehow the human 
mind endows these sounds uh, with significance, they become symbols for something other than pure sound. In other words, there's some there's meaning there. Uh, do you have that down on the bottom screen there? Okay, good. Uh, that way people in the back can see. All right. <clears throat> Jesus said, The hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. And I just noticed that I was supposed to read something before I read that. Um, <clears throat> the last several chapters, we've emphasized the importance of music, its power to influence and its significance in the life of the Christian. In this chapter, we will attempt to interpret the essence and spirit of sound in order to understand the irrelevance of the lyrics in relation to the music that is the sound um, no doubt all of us who are believers have expressed or heard this kind of sentiment uh, sometime in our Christian lives and that is the phrase there is a good spirit in this church anybody ever hear that before yeah. all right or the spirit here is true and genuine uh, the exact words are less significant than the fact that these thoughts and feelings have scriptural basis, and that is disperse. Um, and this verse sheds light, says, shed some light on this discussion. Um, now, may I suggest to you that one of the practical functions and purposes of music in the church is to set the spirit, as we talked about, or as, as the title is, music sets the mood there, uh, the mood in that sense is talking about the spirit, the feel, what's, uh, you know, the, the, the atmosphere, the essence of what's going on. And that spirit, which uh, can be brought about by the music more effectively uh, than by any other medium, must in its character reflect the truth. In uh, First Chronicles chapter 25, uh, verses 1 through 3, we see here, it says, Moreover, David and the captains of the host separated um, to the service of the sons of Asaph and Heman, or some would pronounce it Heman, uh, says, uh, and of uh, Jedithan, um, who should prophesy with harps, with psalteries, and with cymbals. And the number of the workmen according to their service was of the sons of Asaph, uh, Zachar, and Joseph, and... Um, Nathanian, or Nathaniah, sorry, and, and uh, Azarella, uh, the sons of Asaph under the heads, under the hands of Asaph, uh, which prophesied according to the order of the king, and it, it names all of them out there, right? It says six under the hands of their father uh, who prophesied with an harp uh, to give thanks and praise to the Lord. In uh, verse number five of First Samuel chapter 10, it says, after that thou shalt come to the hill of God, there is a garrison of the Philistines, and it shall come to pass when thou art come thither to the city, that thou shalt meet a company of prophets coming down from the high place uh, with a psaltery and a tabret and a harp, and I'm sorry, and a pipe and a harp uh, before them, and they shall prophesy. This is pointing out that, that they're, they're preaching, in a sense, through music, that there's, there's a... 
a prophecy of sorts here. There's prophesying going on, and that there is a uh, there is a there's it doesn't really mention the spirit that's with them, but this just is emphasizing the point of you know David setting up the 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 uh, the the worship time and such. He has you know specific skilled people who have uh, a part in that, and then you have um, again you have these people who are these prophets that are coming that are that are uh, those that play music all of this having to do with you know we talked about the spirit or the atmosphere of things music has a great effect on uh on that and so prophesying addresses um religious moral social and governmental issues uh that encompasses or encompasses ideology um and uh the sounds of social change said that there can be no music without ideology it says here to consider uh, this passage, Psalm chapter one or chapter thirty-three, verses one through four. We need to. We probably should turn that on. And okay, all right. Rejoice in the Lord, verse number one. Here, rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. Praise ye, or praise the Lord with harp. Sing unto Him uh, with the psaltery and with an instrument of ten strings. Sing unto the Lord a new song. Play skillfully with a loud noise, for the word of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth. When we praise the Lord with music sung or played skillfully, uh, truth is unfolded. Uh, could we also say, then, that when the Lord is praised in song and instrument without adequate preparation and practice, truth goes wanting? Could say that, potentially. Um, these four verses are rich with meaning. Uh, can our praise be comely and upright while at the same time mirroring the sound and sensibility of the world? Is that possible? Of course not. Praise can't be comely or beautiful and upright, uh, holy, uh, if it mirrors the, uh, the, the sound and sensibility of the world. All this information shows how empty and void of understanding the quote, there's got to be a third rail where music uh, can be just music. This was a comment by Steve Mason of Jars of Clay. In other words, again, uh, he's trying to say that music is, it's not part of anything else. It's amoral and all of that. And that's, that is an incorrect statement. Uh, so the sounds of social change here, it says the message is put <clears throat> across in strong symbols carried by uh, the energy of the music itself. <clears throat> so those who tend to, I'm, I'm going to read this here first before we go on this. Those who tend to emphasize the words in music also seem to devote much energy in their interpretation. Frequently, the lyrics in secular music, as well as in Contemporary Christian music are so nebulous, in other words, without without specificity, um, they're so nebulous that the explanation and meaning depend solely on the listener's perspective. Kurt Cobain of the secular group Nirvana puts those vague lyrics um, for which the whole world seeks to find that special hidden poetic meaning into perspective when he states that the lyrics are just a bunch of gibberish what he said. 
what he said, uh, and, and it was quoted of him saying such in, um, in the, the book Whole in Our Soul on page 318. If the words are, quote, just a bunch of gibberish, end quote, then the only element which remains uh, to set the mood and make an impact upon the listener is the delivery and sound. Uh, and again, it says the antics and the music. In other words, the delivery, the antics, and then the sound, the music. Um, contemporary music communicates its message by using fewer words with complex rhythms and sensual sounds. Uh, this from Sounds of Social Change. Um, music within you said so the music defines our dislike, our likes, dislikes, uh, physical appearance, mo uh, mood, and means of expression. Most important, it fosters close communication with our peers. Uh, one of the <clears throat> most uh, pugnant gifts of music is its ability to elicit the most tender emotions. In this way, it communicates uh, directly to our hearts and souls. Um, remember the quote we heard before, I can tell what kind of music you listen to by the clothes you wear what your friends are like, your political thinking, and more. Um, and then that was uh, Dancing in the Dark by Quentin, uh, Quentin Schultz and Roy Anker. <clears throat> and uh, so we see here another quote. Music tends to be a predictor of behavior and social values. This was explained by an MTV executive he says you tell me the music people like and i'll tell you their views on abortion whether we should increase our military arms and uh what their sense of humor is like what's that um i would say that there's there's certainly possible exceptions But in general, you are the music you listen to. You have, you know, in, in some way, you, it, it affects you. Um, so how do we respond to some Christians who say, but I get a blessing out of it. It blesses me. Well, how do we respond to that? So it's basically a taste and preference statement wrapped up in a spiritual jargon. In other words, I like it but they want to use spiritual terms. I, it blesses me. I get a blessing out of it. I mean, I could say anything that I like. I get, you know, we had, I, I, uh, I shared some candy with AJ this afternoon and, and then also with Hawkins. And I, uh, I was, I was really blessed by that, that sugar, that candy that I, ate. it was, it was quite a blessing where right? I, I got a blessing out of it. What's that? <laughs> Did it did it bless you, Lucas? <laughs> did, did you get a blessing out of it? They're using using uh, spiritual jargon, though, to you know to, to say that I like it. You know, in other words, that's tantamount to I like it or I don't like it. The, the point here is something that they like, they're saying it blessed them. Um, 
And, you know, it's not bad to say that something blesses you. It's just that you have to recognize that something blesses you usually when you say something blesses you or that's quite a blessing. What you mean is it's something that makes you feel like you've received some sort of favor. It's it's good for you in your own opinion. Uh, not everything that we think is a blessing is a blessing. Um, they say, well, that speaks to me. And I might say, well, I can't identify with that. Say, it makes me feel happy. What if it drags me down? Um, Christians say, I get a blessing out of that. Okay. So, question. <clears throat> when a believer considers, I mean, let me see, make sure I didn't have anything I was supposed to read there. What's that? Uh, when a believer considers the right or wrong of anything, including music, should blessing even enter into the consideration? No, you're right. You're right. So let me ask you this question. <clears throat> if, what, what, like we just said, we, we, use, we use that type of phraseology. We say, ah, it blessed me or I got a blessing out of it. We use that all the time, all the time, about all kinds of stuff, right? Like we'll say, uh, boy, it was quite a blessing to hang out with so-and-so, you know, or have a, con a good conversation with this person. Um, and what we mean by that, hopefully, is that it was a blessing because there was some edification involved, you know, or something like that. Now, um, when we're talking about music, most of the time we say it's a blessing because we like it, right? Uh, we, we like how it make, made us feel. Um, you know, a drug um, ad addict, a drug addict could say that they get a blessing out of their drugs and try to spiritualize it because it makes them feel good. Now, I'm not saying that that's proper, but because something makes you feel good does not necessarily mean that it's right. Okay? They, they don't do drugs because it makes them feel bad. They do it because it makes them feel good in their opinion. And so to them, and some are, are so uh, very unspiritual and try to be spiritual to even say, oh, it, it's, it's a blessing. That's, that sounds like anathema, but the fact is they're using the same logic that people often use when they say, I get a blessing out of this music because their blessing is based upon how they feel, not based upon the truth necessarily. Now, sometimes it may be, it may be based upon the truth, not when it's talk not when you're talking about drugs, <laughs> but maybe when you're talking about music, like we may be singing a song from the hymnal and uh, on, on, uh, on church service, you know, we're singing a song and somebody, uh, you know, the, the, the words and the sound and all that together, the message touches their heart and, and it gives them there's conviction or encouragement. And what happens when that takes place? Well, you were blessed, right? Well, now you have reason behind the blessing, not just blessing because you like it. So uh, further worldliness and music world that organized system which is anti-God 
in philosophy, purpose, and practice. Okay, um, this is this this concept. When we talk about worldliness, this is what we mean. We mean that it is or it's the organized system which is anti-God in philosophy, purpose, and practice. Okay, um, so <clears throat> what is worldliness in music? Probably should ask that before I put that up there. <laughs> yeah, could be trying to control the masses for the particular uh, philosophical purposes, right? Um, so, um, what what does um, what does rebellious music? What good does it do for someone? For what good does rebellion and rebellious music do? And for whom does it do that good? What's that? A form of venting? No, I'm, I'm going a little more conspiracy theory-esque here. There's not such a word, but I just made it up. So, Think conspiracy. When you get a nation uh, fixed on or hooked on rebellion against authority. What's that? And... Or maybe, or maybe freedom, whatever. But but you, you get a nation fixed on rebellion against authority, and you get a, a nation fixed on uh, demoralized concepts. You demoralize them through uh, sensualizing everything that you can sensualize. You sensualize. You get you 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 use the all of the entertainment industry, whether whether it's it's uh, visual or audio, music, things like that. Uh, what's the background? Who does that benefit? It benefits the devil. It benefits the enemies of that nation. Because when you demoralize the people, what happens? You've destabilized the country. Because the people want what they want. What you've done is you've fed them lust until... All they care about is what they want, and they don't care about the, the common good of the people. They don't care about the common good of the country. And uh, in fact, if you watch some uh, some old videos uh, on you know KGB tactics and things and ways to take down America, a lot of this had to do with that demoralizing and destabilizing the country by causing the common person to want nothing more than what they care about and not have any regard for anyone else. What does that do? When you have a major war, who cares? They're not messing with me. I'm going to protect my home only. You got to deal with your own. Now, we found that 9-11, um, that our country generally sympathizes with our country. You know, we still have patriotic people and so forth. For a short time until what? Until it wears down and they're lulled back to sleep with entertainment. Yeah, that's exactly right. The Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever that was first uh, john 2 15 through 17 and then matthew 5 14 says uh ye are the light of the world a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid um 
remember James 1.27 says, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Amen. Uh, so, let's go on a brief bunny trail. Plan. See, it's in the, it's in the, it's on the screen. You see it? <laughs> it's included in, in the, the 80 something slides or, you know, not 80, 40 something slides that we're doing today. Um, so how many of you go to dances? <laughs> there you go. There's the, the cricket sound. Um, how many of you dance in your homes? All right, don't answer these questions. Answer them yourselves inside. Uh, and you, you, know what, you know what we're talking about. We're not talking about innocent, you know, you grab your wife in the kitchen and twirl her around a little bit, you know. We're not talking about that. Yeah, my kitchen's a little hard to do that. And I grab my wife in the kitchen and knock the wall over or something. <laughs> knock, the, knock the stove over. Um, how often do we hold dances in church? Never. Then why should we use music in our homes or in this church, which originates from the dance halls and makes, uh, makes us want to dance by creating an ambiance for dance? In other words, the purpose for some music is to set the mood for this kind of activity, right? Um, so this question is no small issue, really, even among, uh, you know, fundamental Baptist churches or, or you know, independent Baptist churches. Um, therefore, as we say here, bunny trail on dance is not only appropriate, but timely, um, appropriate and timely, not only appropriate and timely, but needful. And so we're going to spend just a moment talking about this. So <clears throat> some facts from Scripture about dancing. There's two kinds, all right? They're sensual. Remember the Israelites and uh, Moses there, or Joshua and Moses uh, coming on the Israelites there. In uh, Exodus 32, verses 26 and 27, it says, uh, Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, said Who is on the Lord's side, let him come unto me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together, right? You guys remember when all that happened, right? Uh, remember what Joshua said just earlier before that? He said, there's a noise of war in the camp. And he said, and, he, and he, then he went on to say, it's not the sound of them that, that, that cry out for, you know, being overcome or them that, that, that cry out for victory. But the sound of them that sing is who I'm hearing. And then they came into the camp and what did they see? They saw the people running naked and, and they had ate and drank and rose up to play and they're running around dancing and, all of these things. And this is what happened there in Exodus 32, a sensual dance. You also have uh, the daughter of Herodias before Herod. John, the, uh, Remember John the Baptist's head, you know? He lost his head over. You know, see, 
it has always been, sensual dance has always been anathema to Baptists. The first Baptist lost his head over it. Literally, not, not, not a pun there. I mean, he literally lost his head because of someone dancing. And you guys think pastor loses his mind when, you know, when somebody's doing something crazy. Well, John the Baptist, uh, remember what happened? The, the daughter there, uh, daughter of Herodias, danced before Herod. And, and he says, what do you want? Anything up to the half of the kingdom. And she says, give me John the Baptist's head. <clears throat> yes. Well, there's another kind of dancing in the Bible. There's sincere or victorious dancing, right? And that's, uh, remember Miriam, the sister of Moses? They, they had a whole song and dance after the flood, or after the flood, after the, the Red Sea experience, right? They were praising the Lord and you know, leaping for joy, and they were so excited about what, uh, what God had done, the victory that God had, had made. Um, you also had the, um, the daughter of Jephthah uh, there mentioned, and there was a, a dancing mentioned there, sincere or victorious. Then you have the, uh, <clears throat> the women of Israel, uh, David and Saul's victory. Remember, they were, they were just leaping for joy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you notice a pattern though? Anybody notice a pattern there at all? Not in every case, but notice a pattern in some of the cases. Hey, somebody noticed the pattern. It's primarily women, right? <clears throat> Is that? Wait a minute. Is that? Uh, does that mean the men aren't allowed to? No, it just particularly mentions. Now, of course, we know D David danced, right? But we notice, though, that primarily when we see dancing taking place on the on the sincere side, the the vic victory side, not not sensual gyrations and things like that, but like leaping and praising God and 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 you know, a, a, a scriptural dance is, is, is more of a rejoicing, you know. Um, but it says, notice that the women dance together and the men dance together separately, right? In the ancient Hebrew culture, men and women never danced together. And in latter times, they only danced together under special restrictions, right? Anybody seen Fiddler on the Roof? <clears throat> At the marriage, how was it that they danced together initially before they messed it all up with a handkerchief? They had a had a little hanky here, you know, and and their little dance together was, you know, do 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 do, do right. They're real excited about something, right? And they're they're uh, they're not touching each other. What's that? They did a lot better job than I did. I'm not a very good dancer. Um, it was the rabbi, actually, that was showing you, hey, 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 it's not the way you do this. Um, this is my this handkerchief here I use for uh, holding up the sound cord here so that it doesn't tear up my, my sound card or my computer. So, all right. So that's, not, that's obviously not the dance 
the you know the dance of today in some traditional sense yes what weddings yeah so the the mood or the, the motions the meaning and the mood have changed dramatically the other words used in the bible uh for the word dance interesting interestingly and this is this is uh this is english words translated from the other uh hebrew or greek words that are also used for the word dance to fight so, so like the hebrew word in the old testament for dance also translated to fight like as in combat interesting uh to laugh with pleasure to entertain to rotate right to celebrate to leap to play to whirl that's rotating and leaping at the same time i can't do that i'll fall on the piano um, <clears throat> Uh, so, to jump for joy, right? As he says, a time to dance. To skip. You all remember skipping when you were kids? Long time ago. Skipping along, right? It's, a, it's kind of a, there's a, like a kind of a playful, you know, to advance or spring for joy. It's, it's, it has to do with, it's, see, it's all innocent. This is all innocent. You have an in you have the motions, the meaning, the mood. It's all innocent. It's it's sincere and innocent. It's not sensual. It's not you know that this this is all this is the biblical concept of dancing, and and so you know we even as Baptists we believe that this stuff's okay. There's a difference between this and the world's style of dancing, right? And some Baptists say, no dancing at all. Well, how do you explain? Let them praise his name in the dance. Praise him with timbrel and dance. The word timbrel here, tov, and dance, makol, um, <clears throat> actually refer to the idea of an instrument of percussion. <gasps> there you go. There's a, there's a picture of it somewhat similar also dance in these passages is a noun not a verb interesting the verses do not say praise the lord with dancing it says in the dance it's a or in dance dance has changed dramatically in just the last two generations and by the way this is kind of um the last two generations uh, this is like this this lesson's pretty old actually so we're really we have kind of a third generation which is who knows what in the world they're doing these days but um, but so we're gonna we're gonna look here uh, at things in perspective <laughs> what was considered too suggestive in bad taste excessively graphic and too sensational for national television 50 years ago. Well, 50 years ago, 
more like 65 years ago, something like this, 70 years ago, uh, is now the norm on Christian videos and in CCM concerts. Yeah, that's exactly right. National TV, they'd show you this up here. That's it. You didn't get to see what he was doing down there. You get to see him up here. <clears throat> Interesting how how far or how yeah, how far we've gone away from censure since then. What's that? With language, with with all kinds of things. We don't censor anything anymore, it seems. Uh, let's look into further perspective here or put things into further perspective. It is absurd, ignorant, and perhaps self-serving to suggest that the dance which took place during Bible times is even remotely similar to what is seen today. I didn't that maybe anybody disagree with that? <clears throat> and thereby infer that a holy and righteous God would approve of the gross gyrations elicited by the uh, by much of today's music finally some further insight here <clears throat> from uh, martha bales who wrote hole in our soul she says but the majority still seeks the same things that have uh, the people have always in all times and places sought in music not the formal complexity of high art but not mud either. Instead, people seek the element, the primal things. What are they? The motive power of dance and the emotional power of song. So which one is uh, for our use? The emotional power of song. The psalm interpretation and thinking uh, regarding dance is a bit different by some Christians. So we'll look at an example here. The Bible and Boogie. This is what some people here say. It says, uh, they said, in the Bible, dance is an energetic expression of faith and joy. Miriam, sister of Moses, uh, led the Hebrews in a victory dance when they crossed the Red Sea. Tambourines in hand and bodies spinning in circles. They gave thanks to God. Psalm 150 encourages dances. Everything that breathes uh, praises the Lord. The return of the prodigal son was celebrated with music and dancing. Uh, Bible folks didn't always dance in faith. and uh, The Hebrews danced before the golden calf and uh, the pagan god Baal. Later tradition uh, taught that dance would lead to uh, promiscuous sexual behavior. Ren, the, the handsome hero of Footloose, was right when he said that dance is good. Wow. Of course, we're reading something that we don't necessarily agree with. What's that? <clears throat> says uh, <clears throat> dance can be a, a prayer, a way of strengthening the body, a sign of communi community spirit, uh, and best of all, a way of thanking God for the gift of life. And so is the outcome. Yes, it is. On purpose. I didn't pick it, but it was, there was a reason that it was a goofy looking picture because goofy looking thoughts like what was written there 
turn out to being goofy looking people like that. <clears throat> okay. It wasn't the people, it was their what they're doing, you know. Worldliness in music. First, a close association with the world. Um, and uh, the music, music in the life of man. He says, uh, the, mus- uh, the, the Christian musician is a member of two worlds, the spiritual and the material. The choice is his to create sacred music that is pleasing to God because it ennobles character or to defile the miracle of creation and produce secular music, which arouses lust and desire. Worldliness in music here. So first, a, a close association with the world. Then second, the sound. Um, deliberate techniques here. Uh, first one. Let's see. playing the first one more of it okay so why would this sound be described as sensual by a secular music critic not talking about christian person but a secular music critic would call this sound sensual why Well, let me ask what vocal techniques in her voice would cause someone that's knowledgeable to make uh, that evaluation that it's sensual. sound the sound the techniques some of the technique has to do with the way she's talking up here so like it's like she's in your ear you can hear the breathing and everything right it's a it's a sensual sound it's not a uh, yes too close she's in your bubble so Jay Crocs of uh, or Crocs Jay Cox of of Time Time Magazine uh, did a review of a secular rock group <clears throat> in the music selection uh, section of that magazine. 
says uh, he described the female lead singer as having one of the easiest and sexiest voices in anyone's neighborhood. Whenever you happen to hear a secular rock singer try to listen for what tools she employs to cause a music commentator to say that her voice is sensual. But, you say, that is secular music. Certain, certainly, that sound would not be found in sacred music, right? You wouldn't think that any sort of uh, Christian music would have that kind of sound. Well, let's listen to a popular CCM performer sing one of her songs, and you decide whether her sound is different or essentially the same. first one was it was Fleetwood Mac Christine McVie or McVeigh that was the first one the second one is Amy Grant yes both are very sensual the the common technique that they're using is scooping it's that the, the like a drawing of the of the voice there there's also some flipping going on. Now, this isn't drastic, but it's so close to the microphone that every little thing, now that's swooping. <clears throat> um, well, let's see here. There's a, another example, um, and it's more, uh, maybe more obvious on one of the things that we already mentioned. there was a there's there's somewhat of a whispery breathy airy voice now i was just describing by where i put the microphone but you notice that there's the the voice it's a man it's hard to describe exactly how that what that that technique it's a it's a technique of it's a, a, a loose kind of really, I mean, you, you noticed it 
a whole lot more. I, I would, well, did you notice it a whole lot more in the third one? Just the sound of the voice. Yeah. <clears throat> Just the sound of the voice. I, I can't, it's, it's really hard to try to describe the, what's going on there. It is a, and understand that when we say sensual, we mean sensual. It's a, it is the sound of a voice of someone who's being seductive or in the, in the way they're singing. What's that? First one's the worst. I think the third one was the worst. Um, in the sound. Here's the first one again. She was closer to the mic. And then second one. By the way, oops, sorry. This one was, man, I went way far. That that one was, uh, she was really, really good at that technique. She had lots of very big hits in the 80s, both secular and um, non-secular. Yeah. Um, yes. And then this one. Ignoring the music itself, just the techniques of the voice. Is that, is that kind of hard to Wondering, waiting, restless for some. I thought you walked so slow in my haste. I left you behind, caught in the pace of this madness. By the way, that's a very commonly used the 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 way that there's there's the moving from note to note, but not not solidly doing so. Sometimes it's okay to move from note to note. You know, there's sometimes there's a there's a what do you, what do we call it a slide or something. There's or what a swoop, not up to the note, but like when you actually have in the in the note or in the in the music you actually have a, a swing if you call it that i guess i don't know can't remember what you call it but where you have a line that goes up from one note to the next but where there it's you know i was a little disappointed that they didn't use one of the masters of that technique in in um in uh in in examples and uh if, if anybody knows anything about pop over the last 20 years you would tell you would tell me specifically who uh this female singer was that was a master of the voice everywhere no no yeah mariah carey was like i mean her voice was just i mean and and the sound would grab you and didn't matter what she was singing because there was something it, it was there was something in the voice and the technique that was being used that would grab you and draw you in and it has a lot to do with the sensuality of the sound 
if you don't believe me, never mind. Don't I was I was gonna say go listen to one of her songs, but no, don't don't you don't need to do that. Um, but that was she she was one that really really used those techniques. So uh, moving along here, we got just twenty slides left, so we're about a little over halfway. Uh, the music is, um, yeah. For some reason, that word just doesn't look like a word I can say. Stultifyingly, there we go. Predictable blend. It's a stultifyingly predictable, predictable. Yeah, see, I, I can say that word now. I can't say any of the other ones. Predict, predictable blend of mechanical rhythms, glittery, metallic sounds, and voices delivering one part melody to nine parts. Panting, gasping, and moaning. That's a pretty good way to describe it. <laughs> Panting, gasping, and moaning. Yes. Yes. Um, so, what has she said about the music? She goes on to say here. Rhythm is prominent. Non-musical, electronically generated sound. That's very common these days. It lacks melody. And some sounds don't qualify as music, right? <clears throat> what else is she saying? That word I couldn't say. <laughs> Webster, Webster has a way of defining it, I guess. Uh, foolish, stupid, absurd, ridiculous, and worthless. Whoa. Yeah, that's pretty strong. <laughs> pretty strong statement there. Wait a minute, what was it she said? Music. The music is a pretty much a stupid, predictable blend of ridiculous, predictable blend of mechanical rhythms and so on and so on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's that's, that's kind of has something to do with it. So the title of the next topic she addresses uh, in, in her book there is The Triumph of Perversity. <clears throat> Zones for Social Interaction. Uh, here's some, we talk about our bubble, right? We have a social zone. You all know when you're talking to somebody in a social environment, your social zone extends your bubble is about as far out as you can reach. When somebody comes into your bubble, you have you have gone from the social zone to another zone, the personal zone, right? And what do you what do you tell someone that does that? Please, I need some personal space that is less than arm's length. But these musicians are going beyond the social zone and past the personal zone into the intimate zone within two inches or touching. Where you put the mic determines how close you are to the person. When you're here, you're in their ear. I'm sorry for assaulting all of you. Let's see, he's trying to fight back. <clears throat> this, These guys here, see? There's an example. I don't Michael W. Smith. I don't know who it is. And there's that guy. I don't know who he is. You can't hardly see it. 
Still can't see it. See, he's got the mic in his. It's it's become part of his mustache. <clears throat> there you go. This is a common. Going to sing right here. Right. Right up. You know. They're just. Well, it's not good when you hit your teeth on it. When you accidentally swallow the microphone or something, something's not right. Yeah. <laughs> Take it out. <clears throat> In uh, the book uh, or, or the writing, whatever it was, How to Sing for Money, Charles Henderson says, uh, through the agency of the microphone, the accent today is on intimacy. Um, so... Let's see here. In The Art of Rock and Roll, uh, Mr. Brown speaks of <clears throat> the vocal tricks which Elvis Presley employed. He writes, by softening his voice for certain passages, he could create a personal effect which made the women in the crowd feel that he was singing directly to them. Uh, when was the last time you had about a four-minute conversation with a member of the opposite sex, other than your wife or husband, only one to two inches apart. Yeah, the answer to that should be never, ever, ever have has that ever happened. That conversation uh, took place the last time you listened to any one of the popular secular or Christian vocalists who employ the previously mentioned technique. That is a they're, they're giving you a, and especially if you listen to them, I don't have my headset on, especially if you listen to them with earbuds inside your ear. Now they're not just right up. Now they're not just talking. This is my wife. I can do this. Now they're not just talking here, right here, right? You know, they're not just right here talking up real close. They're inside. They're in your ear. Your intimate zone was violated without your knowledge or consent. Now you know. Microphone technique in perspective. Uh, the prophets of pop culture. <clears throat> Bing the king. Y'all know who that guy is, right? Yeah. Notice he's a little ways from the mic there. He's still in your personal zone, but at least he's not in your intimate zone at the moment. However... He created a new intimate style, singing made possible by the microphone. Uh, a quarter century later, Elvis Presley found a new use for the mic. So this made it more, this about to hear, made it more intimate, in a sense, than it used to be. And then about a quarter century later, Elvis Presley brought it even closer. <clears throat> Presley strangled the microphone, <laughs> rocked it from side to side. You guys remember that, right? He's got it on the thing there, and I don't have the, uh, the mic stand back here. He's, he's got it on the mic stand, and he's, he's dancing with it. <clears throat> and he slammed it to the floor in a kind of mock ravishment, wild teeny boppers swooned and shrieked. Uh, Bing had fed the fires of love, but Elvis was 
stoking the furnace of sex. And it's even worse today. Teenagers wanted something different. They found it on the radio and the earthly lyrics and heavy backbeat pouring into their uh, bedrooms and jalopies. I didn't know that word actually had a spelling. <laughs> jalopies. <clears throat> Here he is with his microphone. Yeah, it's a car. See him? See the, this the mic stand there? And he's singing awful close up to that thing. I don't know how you stand like that. That's a man. That would hurt my toes. Had what? Vinyl issues? Spinal issues? Yes. I, <laughs> I would say so. Further, it says Presley's descent into mindless self-indulgence traced the evolution of rock. In its uh, first decade, it was usually melodic, uh, whatever critics said, and its lyrics were uh, comprehensible then began a musical and moral meltdown acid rock punk rock heavy metal and hardcore music taste fragmented uh the population both between and within generations and that is still taking place today i would say though that today it's become more and more i don't know i i'm disconnected uh, is it worse than ever okay all right well we got a few more samples here for you <clears throat> Worldliness in music. Remember, first, a close association with the world. Second, the sound. We talked about these techniques here. Um, and uh, now we're looking at the microphone technique. So uh, this is uh, Robert Shaw. The Robert Shaw Chorale, I Know That My Redeemer Liveth, came from Messiah Handel, or by Handel. But they, you know, changed it. Or no. No, this is the right one. This is actually Messiah's head. That's right. I'm giving you the, the example that's the right distance from the mic versus here just a moment. Sounded like opera, right? Not, not too overly intimate, per se. Here's the same song by the young Messiah. song Jesus loves me right we don't have to look it up all right let's sing that real quick before we let somebody else sing it for us all right Jesus loves me this I know for the Bible tells me so little ones to him belong 
They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Sorry, it was a little low because my voice is a little low tonight. Just junk in my throat. So, <clears throat> Right, yeah. Sunday school. Well, let's, let's hear uh, somebody else singing the song. Same song we just sang. Jesus loves me. This I know. says play the example and make certain your class understands the great contrast between their rendition and the treatment of this song by the artist finally ask the class to identify the soloist there will undoubtedly be some elvis responses and you said that before i asked mm -hmm. yeah um so here's another Joyful, joyful, we adore the God of glory, Lord above. All thy works with joy surround the earth, and heavenly flag thy rays. Stars and angels sing around the center of thy throne. All right, so wait a minute. They're done. All right, so um, <clears throat> um, the technique that Gaither was using there, uh, anybody want to guess there? Yeah. The one that sounded like Elvis? Yes. <clears throat> technique was scooping and a delayed vibrato. Not just a normal vibrato, but an, an overwhelming, enhanced, delayed vibrato. So it was a really, yeah, there you go. So 
the one in this one was an anapestic backbeat or backbeat uh, rock beat there. Uh, but then there was also that that same, you know, the breathy, all that. Okay, so here's another. See, that was four, so this is five. He was despised. Obviously, an older sounds like like opera. This isn't this isn't a bad example. This is a this is a I play one and then I'll play the other one that's the same song and you can tell me the difference. I have to say though that the style of some of the uh, handle stuff is is very operatic, so it's. It may not be a a, a well liked style, but it's not a it's not a bad use of, of singing or, or music. So here's the same song by the Young Messiah. Amazing Grace. You guys are familiar with that song. Amazing Grace. You're also familiar with how many people destroy it. That's breathy, scooping, flipping, surfacing rhythm comes along later. But we were not going to wait around for it, so we'll go to the next one here. Same feller singing Just As I Am. Nice song to get right into Lord too. Thy love but not this version of it. We got uh, 15 or 14 slides left. Alright. No, that was uh what's the guy's name? BJ Thomas. Um and I'll, I, I should probably put in the comments of all these videos who these people are because I get dinged with it every time for copyright because I'm playing samples that were that were legally obtained. But the thing is, when I record them and play them on YouTube, they get dinged for copyright. But anyways, a timely and very important question here. Is it simply a matter of style? Or does the style represent an extension of a philosophy? Of course it does. That's right. 
<clears throat> Ephesians 5, 18 and 19. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and, and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Remember, no music is without ideology. <clears throat> Emblems of the mind says, so in a, when you play music, you also embrace a style. A style suggests ways to sit, ways to sing, ways to feel rhythm. It also suggests ways to think. A style even defines a musical community, a group uh, with shared notions about music and its purpose. Uh, the shared style allows for musical communication without uh, misunderstanding a common sense of what is being said and why. You got to watch these other videos. The, this is like the seventh one. So you got to watch the first six. They're on YouTube. You can get them. You'll, you'll eat this stuff up. Um, all pop singers, male and female, have to express direct emotion. The voice is an apparently transparent uh, reflection of feeling. It is the sound of the voice, not the word sung, which suggests what the singer really means. Remember we had that discussion before about how I feel great, right? And, you know, how I feel great and about how I feel great. You know, that discussion that we had it, about how I feel great, right? Right, you, you just, you noticed how I said the same thing over and over and over again. But the way I said it determined what I really meant. Not what I said, but how I said it. I feel great. Right. Sacred music must reflect God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And that is absolute. That's not a maybe, maybe not, if, or, you know, if you like it or if you don't like it. That's an absolute. God said, Jesus said, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Um, in the book, The Secret Power of Music, David Tame says, perhaps here we find as clear a pointer as any to the philosophy underlying the new music, ex ex existentialism, my goodness, these big words are difficult for me today, of course, is the general doctrine which denies objective universal values and morals. And emblems of the mind. Speaking of the classical style, Mr. Uh, Rothstein, Rothstein here in this book writes, uh, one of the goals of this music was to create a sort of internal coherence Make sense concerning the classical style and internal coherence. You know, that things things seem to go together and fit and work and there's some flow and there's order and logic and a melody is composed of discrete notes. They do not slide into each other. If we attempt to literally connect these notes to fill the spaces between them, uh, we get no more than a slide or a uh, siren, a sound. Uh, which is almost musically irrelevant. 
Secret Power of Music here. He says, uh, asked the question, what thinking does the new music project? <clears throat> the ideal is that there should be no ideals. And the rule must be that there should be no rules. Today, serious music is more devoid of idealistic foundations than at any period during the history of man. Um, wow. Think about that for just a second. You, you do realize that those are both self-refuting statements. You ever consider when somebody says to you that there is no absolute truth and you respond to them, do you believe that to be absolutely true? <laughs> the ideal is that there should be no ideals. Well, then how can you have an ideal to begin with if there are no ideals? It's a self-refuting statement. The rule must be that there should be no rules. That's a self-refuting statement. Anyways, throw logic to the wind. Everybody's doing it, right? Um, Rothstein said, Music to create an order always involves constraints, limitations, and regulations of sound. This is when it's done properly. Uh, Luke chapter 16, verse number 8 says, And the Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely, for the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. Isn't it interesting that the world sometimes knows more about something than supposed Christians do? So here we have statement, much contemporary music does not offer a coherent measure of pitch stability. Much of it denies a tonal center altogether. How can we apply this? Music denies abs uh, the music denies absolutes in its style. The sound heralds relativism. Is it no wonder that we have a philosophy, this post quote unquote postmodern philosophy of no morals, no right or wrong, none of this kind of thing? It's because that's what they're trying to do. It projects disorder and chaos rather than form and order. Uh, in denying order, it denies creation, in, and ultimately it denies the creator. The heart of the philosophy, again, is existentialism. That being the statement that there is no right or wrong, there is no reality, there is no God. Imagine, hmm, wasn't there a song? Yes. Yeah. Right. Exactly. You start thinking about all the things he starts trying to deny. And it's not just him. It's the music itself. The sound in the music itself. There's no order. There's no form. The purpose behind it. Not just the words. Eventually, they come out and just flat out say it. We're stupid. <laughs> I'm being a little mean about it, but they just flat out come out and say, 
we are completely illogical. We deny any truth. We deny that there's, you know, the only truth is that there is no truth or there is no absolute truth. And then there's, they, they, they deny that there's, that there should be rules and they set rules to, that there should be no rules. And they're, you know, they, they have ideas that there should be no ideas and they have, you know, the, all of these things that just, it's, it's all about, what's it go back to? If I like it, if it feels good, it's okay. What if you don't like what I like? What if what makes me feel good kills you? Oh, it doesn't matter because there's no absolute truth. And my truth is my truth. And if my truth is okay with me, then it's fine. If your truth's okay with you, then it's fine. End of the day, what happens? Everybody does what they want to do. No rules, none of that. How does society work out that way? We talked about it earlier. Our enemies want that to happen. I mean, our enemies, you know, foreign enemies, other countries, they, that's what they want to happen. They want us to degrade to the point that everybody's just out for themselves. And then we never act for the greater good. We never, we never band together against a common enemy because the common enemy is everything that isn't what I like. <laughs> and that's the whole philosophy behind the world's music today. <clears throat> Artifice or trickery was substituted for art. The sensuous effect for heartfelt emotion. So this fellow says here, after just communicating with the Atlanta Sym uh, Symphony Orchestra to be clear and sharp with a light bounce, a phone rang on the podium next to Robert uh, Spano, the conductor, and the composer was on the other end. He gave some instructions to change some things, and then the conductor hung up the phone and instantly translated this guy's comments <laughs> into a command. A little more schmeary, he told the violins, dragging his open palm through the air as if uh, he were slathering a dozen bagels with cream cheese. <laughs> when he read, or when the red uh, record light suspended above the orchestra uh, turned on, the dance instantly became more fluid, the melody sexier, less clop, more sway. By the way, shmiri there is, a, is Yiddish for smear. To smear, you know. You not notice what, what was happening, right? It changed. You changed just, you just smeared it out there a little bit. And now what did it do? It made it sexier. Conclusion? 
Kashmiri sound adds sensuality. What is the practical impact on sacred music? Hmm? Um, well, the practical impact on sacred music, it says here, quote unquote, sacred music. Uh, anything goes into or anything goes in contemporary religious gatherings, hymns, Jesus Christ Superstar, which is an absolute blasphemous thing. Uh, jazz, rock, symphony, dance. Um, and so here's an example. Wait a minute. Is that actually possible? No. I believe it was Job that asked the question, who can make a clean thing out of an unclean? It's the, the demonstra or the, the illustration that I often use to try to add a little flavor to it, and that is the brownies. You like brownies? <laughs> We're going to make some brownies after we use the spoon to scoop the chicken dung. Right? I'll never eat brownies uh, brother, you don't have to worry about that. We make sure that the holy things stay holy and the unholy things stay out of my house. Amen. <laughs> uh, but the illustration stands. You wouldn't eat brownies that were made with utensils that were also used to clean dung up, whether it be dog dung, chicken dung, per person dung, horse dung, whatever. You wouldn't want the, that to be used to stir your brownie mix. But wait a minute. Only a little, there's only a possibility that a small fragment, maybe only one piece out of the whole tray, has manure in it. Why, why, won't, why wouldn't you like any of that? You don't know which one's the bad one. And it just doesn't seem right. Right? Good brownies are ruined when you just add a little bit of bad in them and why is it that the world thinks that we can take yeast and throw it in the bread and it not become a, a completely leavened bread why is it that the world thinks that we can we can throw poop in the brownies and they're still holy That's exactly what they're doing with the music. 
saying, oh, we can throw the, you know, throw the, the, this wicked rock music in and put some good words to it and it's good. The sacred and the profane become buddies. Right. That's how they get ideas where it's okay to go shoot a, 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 a an abortionist. Yeah. Or it's okay to go, you know, commit adultery or fornication or do this or that or, you know, or, or lie. Right. As long as I get away with it, it's okay to lie. Y'all know that's a bunch of hogwash. <laughs> Still unclear. Let's consider vowels and consonants. Blessing or blasphemy. Let's see here. So, are these guys the same things? No. no. What if we just took all the vowels out of all the words? We'd be speaking German, wouldn't we? I'm just kidding. <laughs> or no, we'd be speaking some African language, right? Uh, what if we took all the continents out? Or continent, continents, consonants out? We'd be speaking Hebrew. <laughs> or rather, yeah. They're not the same. They don't, but but these can go together to make something right, right? You can put those together. Notice that it's vowels and consonants. Can you swap these two words here? Can you swap them down here? No. It's and here. It's or there. We recognize that's correct, right? An artist with pen and paper makes some good pictures, right? You can either write, you can either draw beauty, or you can draw pornography. But technically, scripturally speaking, can't have both in the same place. Once it's gone to this, it's that. It's no longer this. Same thing here. You can use vowels and consonants to speak blessing or to speak blasphemy. But once you've once you've brought it out, you know you can you can you can say things that in one tone of voice might be blessing, but in another tone of voice they are blasphemy. You can go from using God's name for good or using His name in vain, saying the same thing. But it's a matter of what you're meaning by it. It's a matter of how it's brought about. Right? We can't, but we can't swap there. It's not. Just as vowels and consonants can become either blessing or blasphemy, pen and paper and hand of an artist uh, can become pornography. So notes and rhythm in the hands of a composer or artist can become sensual and therefore has left the realm of sacred. So it's not, it can't be both.
Music is unique among the commun communicative arts. Consider the graphic arts. Lines and circles uh, lose their identity when combined to make pictures, right? Yeah. The lines and circles and stuff, right? And then you put them together and you get a picture. We don't look and say, oh, look, there's a circle right there. No, we, we say that's somebody's head, <laughs> right? It comes together. So there's, there's combining there. Um, colors and colors lose their individuality when combined, right? See, we got, oh, that wasn't on the screen. Yeah, colors lose their individuality when combining. You can take yellow and blue and now it's green, right? Take red and yellow. That's orange, yeah. Blue and red, and now you got purple, right? Music is unique among the communicative arts. Consider the language arts. Individual letters often lose their original sound and timbre or character when combined to word or to form words, right? So, like for example, e. And when has an eh sound. And combined, it's silent. We usually don't say combined. Right? It's silent. O in, in uh, lose becomes oo. O in sound is unrecognizable. Right. S, the word in, in the word words, becomes a Z. Music is unique. Consider the tonal art. Sounds clearly preserve their individuality when combined, while at the same time forming a recognizable, unique in character, uh, and solidary new sound. For example, notice, um, can you play that for us? Maybe, maybe not. I, th I think it's an F, that's F-A-C, isn't it? Now together, right? These notes retain their individual individuality when uh, combined to form a new sound. Right? You have play the play the notes individually, and then a major sound. Right? You do this example. I think our key our piano's off key. That's a minor sound. Right? And this one. It's a diminished sound, but. Changes the feeling, too, doesn't it? Has the significance struck you? Music <laughs> and the way sound behaves gives us a marvelous and easily comprehensible example to one of the mysteries of the Christian faith. How's that?
three is one, right? And one is three. Hmm. Did you notice that? Notice she played one note and then one note and then one note and then she played three notes, but it was one sound, which yet still at the same time had three individual notes. Three is one and one is three. Whoa. That's a, an amazing thought. And we're supposed to be done with our next class. We're on the last slide. Don't worry. The graphic arts provide no helpful illustration. Uh, no real insight from the language arts, but a perfect model from the tonal arts. Why? Because God designed sound to mirror his attributes. The Trinity is shown in music. Let's see here. Final comment here. Music is unique. In the graphic arts, lines and circles lose their individuality, remember, when combined to make pictures. Colors uh, totally lose their identity when combined. Uh, you know, the, the blue and yellow is green, red and yellow is orange, uh, red and blue is uh, violet or, or purple. Uh, in language, individual letters generally lose their original sound and timbre, remember, as we just talked about. Um, music is uniquely different in that sounds distinctly preserve their individuality as they are combined with others into a solitary, uh, sorry, into a solitary new sound. In chapter nine, we're going to explore how God is musical and uh, has created us and his whole universe through sound. Music then gives us a marvelous example to understand how three are one and one is three. What a great illustration for the Trinity. Uh, where where do we find it? We find it in music. Obviously, just as vowels and consonants can be it can become blasphemy, and pen and paper in the hand of an artist can become pornography, so notes and rhythm in the hands of a composer, composer or artist can become sensual. Is the picture coming into better focus? Most can grasp the first two examples because they are more overt. Music is more subtle and much more powerful than either of the previously mentioned examples. Remember, it reaches the heart and soul. It's deeper than just... Um, it's, it's deeper than just the surface, right? But what kind of trinity is shown in your music? What kind of mood is set in your music? Is it one where the Lord would feel welcome? I hope so. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for, thank you for the blessing.